You're going to love this. Just love it. Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles. This is your broadcast, as heard on 90.7 FM in LA, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast, 93 FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, the TuneIn app, on iTunes. Streaming on Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn. And of course, Radio Sputnik, five days a week. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com here with you for another action-packed episode of the Bradcast. Uh, po- you know, even though politics right now are so stupid, they really are just incredibly stupid what is going on with the uh with the uh, the republicans and the house this upcoming battle for the republican speakership i mean this thing is happening this week this week uh, anyway we'll get to that in a second coming up uh steve levine author of powerhouse inside the the invention of a battery to save the world he will be joining us shortly to respond to see, this is not stupid. This is something that's not stupid. Steve Levine will be joining us to respond to the VW scandal and what he believes that Volkswagen could do. But will they to save themselves and perhaps the world from the unprecedented fines and legal suits and everything else that uh, Volkswagen is likely to face across the world in the wake of getting busted for cheating on emissions tests in their supposedly, supposedly clean diesel cars. Uh, And uh, does all of this signal an end, uh, finally, to the internal combustion engine? Good question. Hey, Desi Doyen. I think uh, internal combustion engine, I think of you. Thank you. Uh, I don't know why. (laughs) Desi Doyen, of course, our producer and the uh, co-host of the Green News Report. Um, You know, the question, I hope to talk to Steve Levine, Levine about this. Are we finally at... The moment for the electric car. I hope, I hope, I hope. And, uh, you know, it does Volkswagen what they did and the fact that they were making these claims, these outrageous claims, right, about their mileage for their uh, for their clean diesel cars. But it all had to do with the fact that they were gaming the computer systems in those cars so that. Uh, they appeared to be cleaner than they actually were and they got more mileage, but they ran dirty And they got busted. So the question, are we finally at a moment for the electric car? And what will the inflection point be when the world finally says enough 
and electric cars become the standard rather than the really, really cool exception. Yes, I, I am really looking forward to this interview. I have one, He's a great follow on Twitter, by the way. Steve Levine is. Uh, we'll, I, I forget what his uh, Twitter is, but we'll Well, that follow. does us a lot of good. Know, you say I'm he's sorry. a great follow, and then he you don't. All right, you look we'll it up. It. Well, I'll get, look, I'll we'll look get it up. It. But he's all a great right. follow. He does a lot of great stuff on, on uh, what's happening with battery storage and where the trends are going. So if you really want to know what kind of car you're going to be buying, what direction the energy industry is going to go in, he's the one to follow. Also, too, coming up today, if I have time for it, uh, this is, Josh Marshall describes this as the death rattle, the death rattle for the Jeb Bush campaign. Is he right? I will explain in a little bit. In the meantime, uh, in Guatemala, horrific news continues beneath the mud and rock that engulfed the small Guatemalan town of Santa Catarina Panula last week. Search crews have found entire families who died huddled together after being buried alive. At least 152 people were killed in the, uh, in the disaster last week just outside Guatemala City. Government officials said at least 300 people are still unaccounted for. The mud that swallowed up the El Cambre II uh, neighborhood in Santa Catarina uh, Penula, which lies at the bottom of a deep ravine, is so deep that rescue workers are descending 39 feet through narrow shafts to reach the roofs, to reach the roofs of homes. Wow, the entire mountainside came down, it sounds like. Yep, we found entire families, uh, said Sergio Cabanas, an official at uh, disaster agency Conrad. We found almost all of them huddled together, which means they were going to try and evacuate, but sadly they didn't have time. Some died from the impact, some from asphyxiation, some from heart attacks. Rescue efforts have been hampered by the precarious situation at the site. There were two smaller landslides uh, on Monday of this week, and nearby river has now risen over three feet, and rescue workers fear for the stability of the hillside where the landslide began. So far, no survivors have been found at the site, and rescue workers say the chances of finding anyone alive under some 120,000 tons of earth that buried the area, those chances are now close to zero. Uh, I mentioned that because we uh, we we spoke yesterday with Michael Mann, climate scientist, about what's going on in South Carolina and those unprecedented rains coming down. Um, although uh, n- not uh, unprecedented, if you listen to uh, uh, Governor Nikki Haley of South Carolina, the Republican governor there, she says they haven't seen anything like this in a thousand years, as if a thousand years ago they had a rainstorm just like this. Well, no, as Michael Mann explained uh, when he joined us, uh, when we hear these terms, a thousand-year flood, uh, a thousand-year drought like we're having out here in California, it doesn't mean we had one a thousand years ago. It means there's a one-in-one-thousand chance, essentially, uh, that we'll have, uh, that this year we'll have this type of event. USA Today explains that the biblical flooding in South Carolina is at least the sixth so-called one-in-one-thousand-year rain event in the U.S. since 2010. So much for, you know, every thousand years. Uh, So many one-in-one-thousand-year rainfalls is unprecedented, according to Steve Bowen 
of Aon Benfield, a, uh, a global reinsurance firm. And it's interesting because, Desi, we have talked about uh, the uh, insurance firms uh, and their reports on, on Green News Report oh, yes. for years. How those companies, big corporations, anything but lefty environmental tree huggers, they are scared to death about global warming. They are warning about climate change They because they're going to be on the hook. You do not find any climate change deniers in the insurance <laughs> or the reinsurance industry. The reinsurance industry, they're the ones that insure the insurers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's uh, exactly what we're looking at. And uh, he says, we have certainly, this is Steve Bowen of, of the uh, reinsurance firm, we have certainly had our fair share in the United States of one in 1,000 year rainfalls. And any increasing trend in these type of rainfall events is highly concerning, he says. Uh, the USA Today goes on to underscore one in 1,000 year event means that there is a one in 1,000 or 0.1% chance of it happening in any given year in a given location. The paper notes the other one in 1,000 year rain events include the Tennessee floods in May of 2010. Remember those in Nashville? The Mid-Atlantic, Northeast, and New England uh, drenching during uh, Hurricane Irene in 2011. The Colorado floods, oh, I remember those in, in 2013. Boulder, yeah. yeah. The deluge in Baltimore in August 2014. And the flooding earlier this year in Nebraska. They're not even mentioning Pensacola, Florida, that got that also historic rain event. It was just a one-day rain event. Oh, I guess yeah, it didn't qualify as right. biblical. I, rem I remember not biblical enough. Uh, but we're seeing these one after another after another. But nothing to worry about. Even Michael Mann actually yesterday he mentioned. You know, we're talking about rain events. He had mentioned uh, the, the snow events. Remember those oh, unprecedented yes. snows last winter in Boston? Right. This never stops people anymore. Not anymore. Not with this moisture in the air. Not with what the scientists have warned us about the connections between these types of floods and man-made climate change. A study earlier this year from Climate Central reported that 40 of the 48 contiguous states have recorded an uptick in heavy rain events in the past decades. But, you know, don't notice. Nothing to worry about here. It's just climate. It's just cyclical. Things happen. Stuff happens. Am I right, Jeb Bush? Uh, by the way, some parts of South Carolina received more rain in the past few days than some parts of California have seen in the past three years, according to wow. AccuWeather. Um, in any event, uh, this brings us, of course, to South Carolina. And uh, <laughs> Lindsey Graham, presidential candidate Lindsey Graham, who is also running for president, running for the presidential nomination. He, of course, uh, on the Republican side, he, of course, uh, is very concerned about what's going on in his home state of South Carolina and took to the Senate, the U.S. Senate floor, uh, I believe this was today, to uh, talk about it. Here's uh, some of what Senator Lindsey Graham had to say about this uh, biblical flooding in South Carolina. 550 road closures, 150 bridge close closures, 26,000 in climbing without power, 40,000 in climbing without water. The economic damage we don't know yet. There are very few families in South Carolina not affected by this. Uh, Manning, South Carolina is virtually underwater. Uh, we will uh, hopefully get this behind us soon in terms of the rainfall and uh, start building up some levees and dams that are just about to break 
I worry about the bridges, the damage to our bridges. I don't think we really appreciate <coughs> how extensive it is. Unfortunately, there is more coming as the runoff from the upstate makes its way down, makes its way to the coast. 2015 has been a miserable year for the state of South Carolina. Gosh, I wonder how that happened. That was Senator Lindsey Graham talking about the disaster ongoing still in South Carolina as water continues to rise and will continue to rise throughout the week, putting extraordinary pressure on the state's series of dams, many of which have uh, been uh, topped. Some have failed. Some have been I, breached. Some have breached. failed. Entire bridges have washed away. Roads have washed away. The sewers are overwhelmed. They're not really talking about the bacterial contamination. This is going to last for weeks, if not months. And and it's going to cost a lot of money uh, to take care of and to do something about more money than uh, South Carolina you know, has on their own. Obviously, they have to turn to federal resources, as is the case in uh, in these uh, sorts of disasters. Lindsey Graham, of course, was on CNN uh, talking about exactly that uh, on Monday. The next couple of days, there's more water coming down our state. These people, the communities you see, there's more water coming from the upstate. So rather than putting a price tag on it, let's just, you know, get through this thing and whatever it costs, it costs. Oh, isn't that interesting? Let's not put a price tag. Whatever it costs, it costs. Funny thing about that, uh, Lindsey Graham. Uh, remember all of those red state Republicans who voted against federal aid following uh, the aftermath of Superstorm Sandy back in 2013? This was the storm itself was in November, but they were still voting on how much money to give uh, as of uh, as of 2013. This went on for months as they were praying. The people in New Jersey and elsewhere were praying for federal aid. And uh, Lindsey Graham wasn't so uh, interested in uh, whatever cost it costs back in 2013, back when it was not his state. And in fact, he voted time and again against federal aid for Superstorm Sandy, saying, oh, it was just it cost just too much. To his credit, uh, Wolf Blitzer, uh, uh, one of those phrases you rarely hear. <laughs> To his uh, credit, Wolf Blitzer uh, pressed Lindsey Graham on exactly this and his uh, votes against funding uh, for Superstorm Sandy uh, for aid following that massive storm in 2012 and 2013. uh, Your critics are already saying you want federal funding to help the people of South Carolina, but correct me if I'm wrong, you voted against that federal funding package for the folks in New Jersey during Hurricane Sandy. Uh, I'm all for helping the people in New Jersey. I don't really remember that, <laughs> me voting that way. There was way. a big uh, relief package, apparently yeah. you, a lot of other southern senators and yeah, representatives I, I, voted against. Yeah. yeah, well, anyway, I don't really recall that, but I'd be <laughs> glad to look and tell you why I did vote. No, if I did. Pretty uh, kind-hearted fellow. Folks in South Carolina have uh, Chuck Schumer calls. Change the and, subject. Uh, we've tried to be yeah, there right. for other friends and neighbors, so... Hope they'll be there for us. Yeah, no, we did check, and you did vote okay. against that yeah, Hurricane I'd, I'd Sandy like relief package. Look at it and tell you why. Yeah. But, <clears throat> yeah, I'd like you to tell us why, too, Senator. We would have liked you to tell us why two years ago when the people of uh, New Jersey were drowning and needed your help, and you and your uh, GOP buddies decided to uh, do a political grandstand in Congress and withhold federal aid from those people, those families who desperately needed your help. I'd love to know, too.
I don't really remember me voting that way, he said. I'm sure he doesn't. It's not very yeah, convenient to remember sure. it right now when you're running for president. Yeah, anyway, I I don't recall that. And good, again, good for Wolf Blister for pressing him on this. The fact is that uh, the uh, Republicans had complained at the time that $50 billion, a federal bill for Sandy, was uh, too much money to spend for that relief. It also had included infrastructure improvements. Right, to prevent to avoid, and to be yeah. ready for the next storm, which is going to happen right. up there. So they were trying, they called that larding it up with pork, but it was actually preventive measures. Well, here's the problem. You can say he larded it up, that they were voting against it because it was larded it up, larded up with pork. Uh, even if you make that case uh, for this $50 billion deal, how does Graham explain having voted against a much smaller $9 billion relief package? Because that's what he did. But, you know, uh, he's uh, all for helping the people of New Jersey. He doesn't remember uh, me voting that way. I don't recall that, he said. But he'd be glad to look and tell us why he did vote no. I'm sure he's getting right on that. What a jerk. Is it wrong for me to call a sitting senator, U.S. senator, a jerk? Probably wouldn't be the first time. He's a jerk. <sighs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come back with uh, Steve Levine, uh, with uh, who is not a jerk, and talk about uh, stuff that actually matters instead of jerks like uh, Lindsey Graham. But you know what? Probably by the end of the show, we'll get back to the jerks in Congress <laughs> and Jeb Bush. we got to get to Jeb. Anyway, uh, all of that and more. Steve Levine coming up. You are listening to The Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Electric car on roads so dark to change the end, rewrite the start. Electric car so good so far. Electric car. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, last week, uh, well, we've had a lot of big news uh, concerning the future of cars, and they all sort of tie into politics, actually. We've been talking about the uh, Volkswagen scandal for the last few weeks, particularly how, uh, how it demonstrates how computers can be gamed to show one thing during tests and another thing during real-life use. And, of course, because we focus a lot on this program on, on voting, system and, uh, voting systems and elections and electronic voting, particularly, 
uh, highlighting what VW did and how they were purposely gaming the system, knowing that they were giving different results to emissions tests when they were being when the cars were being tested versus when they were out on the road that should alarm anyone who gives a damn frankly about our voting system and the computers that we use in our voting systems well we talked about that quite a bit but what about the actual volkswagen scandal itself how does it affect the company how does it affect the future of uh, of clean cars in this country all of that comes about at the very same moment that last week elon musk and tesla unveiled the model x and we talked about it on our uh, on our latest green news report uh it's really cool by the way i watched most of uh, what uh, musk had to say in his uh, his unveiling of this really cool car, this really cool SUV, the first all-electric SUV that, by the way, is really, really, really expensive right now. So I don't think I will be affording one anytime soon, and I suspect most of America won't be affording one anytime soon. But uh, how do all of these uh, ideas, uh, this disaster, frankly, that Volkswagen is now facing, the disaster that they may have to pay out billions, billions and billions uh, here in the U.S. Uh, for violating uh, EPA regulations, vi uh, violating uh, regulations out here in California and elsewhere around the world. Volkswagen had just overtaken Toyota to become the nation's, the world's largest automaker. But that largest automaker could now be in very serious trouble. Pulling together all of these ideas, then, is an article over at uh, QuartzQZ.com, written by Steve Levine, headlined, Volkswagen's best shot at a comeback now has the automaker right where Tesla's Elon Musk wants it. It starts Volkswagen reeling in the fallout after being caught lying to emissions regulators and millions of motorists about its supposed clean diesel engines, has at least one promising route to recovery from the self-made debacle. And that would be forging the most aggressive path of anyone to the mainstream electric car to bring the cleanest of clean car technologies to the masses. Is that really where they might be heading? Will that really get Volkswagen's uh, fat out of the fire, so to speak? And what does all of that mean and have to do with Elon Musk? To discuss all of the above is Steve Levine, author of that article. He's the Washington correspondent for QuartzQZ.com, where he writes about the intersection of energy, technology, and geopolitics. He is a future tense fellow at the New, American, uh, New America Foundation, an adjunct professor in the Security Studies program at Georgetown University's School of Foreign Service, where he teaches energy security. His newest book is The Powerhouse, and it focuses on advances in battery technology and the connection between the transformation of energy and shifts in geopolitical power. Steve Levine, welcome, sir, to the broadcast. Happy to see you. Uh, great to have you here. All right. Well, uh, I'll bite. Uh, you write that some analysts have misunderstood the coming electric car collision as a zero-sum smash-up in which Tesla CEO Elon Musk could end up the loser. It isn't, you write. Instead, this is precisely the outcome that Musk has relished. So first, tell us about what is this coming electric car collision 
and I assume that's a good thing, not an actual collision that you speak of. Uh, and, and why would Musk be seen as the loser in a proliferation of electric cars? And finally, why is more competition in this market actually better for Elon Musk in, instead of worse? That is about 10 questions. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting I'm, back. <laughs> I've got a sandwich. You please start. Let me know when you're done. All right. Well, electric cars, this, this, this new electric car age, remember there was one about a century ago before the internal combustion engine mm-hmm. became the winner and, and became very, very popular in the United States and around the world. Most people drove electric cars. The internal combustion engine won out. And then about five or six years ago, uh, a bunch of countries, including the United States, a bunch of companies, including GM and Nissan and Elon Musk, decided to bring back the electric car. But and and the, and the feeling at that time, you know, we uh, a frenzy kind of broke out. There was a lot of hype that that um, electric cars were going to overtake everyone else on the road. But that hasn't happened. I mean, they've stayed very much a, a niche electric cars. Mm-hmm. Make up right now, you know, less than one tenth of one percent of the market, and 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 so um, kind of a malaise has set in about hasn't this all been a setup? Are electric car prices ever going to come down? Musk's SUV that he just unveiled, a hundred thirty-two thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and 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 so uh, so what's really ha- uh, happening and. What is going on? This collision, that's uh, which is what I call it. In 2018, in the in the coming three to five years, a critical mass of new models are coming on to the market. We're 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 having a washout right now. Uh, a number of electric car ma- uh, startups and uh, battery makers have gone bankrupt, but the ones that have stayed in the market are seriously right now putting together electric cars that are priced in the right range that that people really can pay and that will go the distance that people really want to go and and not have range anxiety and all of this Mm -hmm. has been triggered by elon musk musk has put the fear in into car makers they think that 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 he, he could be a game changer and they may be left out. He, has, he, he announced a couple years ago that in 2017 he's going to market his Model 3, which is it's supposed to be a $35,000 car mm. with all of his styling, all the technology inside, uh, and that will go 200 miles on a single charge. So you've got GM, mm-hmm. and you've got Audi and Porsche and Jaguar, BMW, uh, and Nissan, a bunch of other car makers, all of them planning to to launch their own two hundred mile thirty five forty thousand dollar cars in that same time frame and compete with him on that on that high end too in the eighty one hundred thousand dollar range and that framework uh, that, but, that that framework you're talking about that the, those years what years are we talking about because I have been wondering when will be this inflection point when will we see the iPhone of the electric car that, you know, essentially changes everything overnight. I mean, we went from non-smartphones to touchscreen smartphones, it seems like, in a matter of minutes. And I've 
been wondering for the past decade, when will that happen with, with electric cars? And I don't know if, if that's what you're referring to or if that's what you foresee, but what years are you talking about when all of these automakers are going to be suddenly having these uh, cars on the market? So it's approximately 2017 to 2020, and I say approximately mm-hmm. because Musk, for example, is three years late revealing his X. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he has said that he's going to um, to produce the Model 3 at the end of 2017. If we go by the same rule that he'll be three years late, mm-hmm. then that's 2020. GM is, uh, is already has shown us it's it, it's thirty five thousand dollar call that car. That's the Bolt, and it definitely is coming out in uh, 2017. So in that time frame, in in roughly three to five years. Mm-hmm. So, but the but but the way that you know tech writers and 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 uh, other folks watching the industry have um, appraised this is that Musk is in trouble. That he that he he's facing a bunch of fierce competition, and he could be in trouble because how is he going to sell his car if everyone else has their cars out out there? But right. Musk has been very explicit that 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 his understanding of the market, the way markets work, is people want choice, mm-hmm. and they get suspicious if there there there's one item of something out there. They want to see a bunch of items, mm-hmm. and then they want to buy the one that they want. So he he open sourced, for example, all of his technology. Right. Everything on 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 his car. That's explicitly because he wants to create an ecosystem in which there are a bunch of vehicles, and then he is seen as the best one. And so he he said, anyone who wants to use Tesla's technology, it's out there. You can use it. You can use it for free. We won't charge you as long as you do so in good faith. You can even compete with us, I guess. Uh, but he wants it out there because I guess it's better for Tesla. If there are more electric cars out there and the idea that there needs to be charging stations everywhere, the idea that there needs to be quick charging technology everywhere. And this is where you suggest, Steve Levine, just one of the places where Volkswagen could somehow redeem itself uh, in, in, I guess, the U.S. market, but really the world market. Let, let's talk about that. How is uh, Volkswagen's best shot at a comeback uh, to actually work with Elon Musk in, in one sense. Yeah. It's uh, Volkswagen, I don't know in your in your uh in your own view and the, and your own broadcasts how you've um how how seriously you've por- portrayed um the 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 scandal, but I personally think that it's it's very serious. Yeah. It's a devastating blow. To, uh, I mean self uh self-inflicted blow. Yep. I mean, it's 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 among the stupidest things that I ever heard, and I think it's a lot worse than than the BP oil spill in mm. 2010, which was an accident. And and uh, and so here. Well, here just got, to, just to be clear, you don't mean as far as the disaster to the environment. You mean as far as the disaster to the company itself. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. And the outcome, mm-hmm. the outcome to the company, mm-hmm. that 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 that. That the uh, the blow that will be inflicted on VW will be worse than than what BP did to itself. The mm. amount of money that it will have to pay, the 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 blow to its reputation, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, you know it it faces criminal liability. Yeah, 
it faces civil suits in the United States and and abroad. So it needs to do something. It needs to do uh, do something fast and very dramatic. And one thing it can do: first of all, it's lost its trust. It's if if it was possible really to produce the kind of clean diesel engine that it claimed, it would have done so. And and so how how do you get that that back? I think it 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 will be very hard for it to persuade large numbers of people, even if it does um, come up with some fix for its diesel. It needs to change the subject. It <laughs> needs to double down right. on a on on its clean rep and, uh, that that it's trying to mm-hmm. um, establish. And the best way to do that is by is by creating the best electric car on the planet and you know, try to make people let people forget that diesel and market the uh, and and market this electric and incidentally it's you know, it owns Audi and Au- Audi has come out with with, with a concept car that's meant to challenge Elon Musk's Model S mm-hmm. in 2020 and it it is you know the concept car came out it's a gorgeous car so, so VW is it's it's not starting from scratch, but but it really needs to decide that it's going to go all in, and my my hunch is is that it will. Well, I, I have always wondered, actually, for years, Desi and I, uh, Desi Doyen, my producer, my co-host on the Green News Report here, we I've always wondered for years why VW wasn't out with an electric bug from the start it seems like a, a, a you know a natural they seem to keep reinventing the 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 Volkswagen Beetle every uh, you know I don't know 20 30 years and 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 putting it out cheaply and it seems like an electric beetle an electric bug an electric boogaloo if you will would have been a natural for them I could never understand why they never did that uh, that seems like it would be a game changer on its own but uh, you also suggest that VW could volunteer to help resolve the shortage of fast charging stations. And that's something that is a problem for electric cars right now. And you mentioned range anxiety. People are afraid they're going to be out on the highway and there'll be no way, nowhere to, you know, to recharge their, their vehicle. So they could volunteer, you suggest, to help resolve the shortage of fast charging stations uh, and and spend a few billion dollars building up a network around around the country, around the U.S., and I guess perhaps around the world. Is that something that is realistic? Could that be a part, perhaps, of a legal settlement uh, with VW that the Justice Department, or I guess the EPA, could say, hey, listen, instead of hitting you for $18 billion or whatever you might be on on the hook for, uh, you can uh, do a mitzvah here. You can uh, build, you know, you can put that same those same billions into creating an electric infrastructure for fast-charging uh, vehicles. Is that is that a reality? Could that happen? Uh, I think that the uh, prosecutors will say, nice try. The, the, the VW should do this. VW is going to owe these billions in 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 fines the building out of a of an electric charging network something that would be a standardized network that that it could tout as uh, as a public good we're not doing this for VW this is something that w- would be available for all cars and let's work with all the car makers and and c- come up with a, a standard that we all agree to and will pay for it 
this is something that would help redeem its reputation. This is, I haven't heard, it, it was another writer who floated that idea, mm-hmm. and, I, and I linked to him, and I think it's a great idea. But you I think, think it's, should do it. But they should do it, but it's not realistic as far as uh, getting them off the hook. Uh, uh, for, no, no, no. Uh, w- w- would an electric car get them off? So an electric car, uh, going big into electric automobiles, you're, you're not suggesting that's going to get them off the legal hook, but that may get them off the, uh, uh, change the subject, uh, the, the, the court of public opinion, if suddenly they become, uh, you know, a leader. And as a matter of fact, you mentioned Apple, which... Uh, is very cool uh, because uh, back in uh, 2008, this was, I wrote an article at bradblog.com as as uh, General Motors was uh, uh, in desperate straits after the collapse of the global economy. And the headline was, How to Save GM in Four Words, Steve Jobs as CEO. And I said that if uh, Jobs is disinclined to leave Apple at the time, of course, we didn't know that he was uh, very sick at the time, but uh, if he's disinclined uh, to leave Apple, I said, okay, how to save the American automobile industry in three words, the Apple iCar. Well, we're now actually looking at uh, probably an Apple iCar of some sort coming out, and you're suggesting that is something that they would team up perhaps with Volkswagen? Well, first... Apple is, I neglected to mention that, and and it's a big oversight. Apple is part of this collision coming up, by the way. That car is coming out in 2018 or 2019, somewhere in there. It's it's, We don't know what it's going to look like. Um, You know, teaming up with Apple, the the car makers, Apple and Google, both have gone all over the world talking to car makers. Uh, Why don't we team up? We'll put our... uh, Technology, mm-hmm. our our uh, pizzazz in your car, and you you make the car. But as I understand it, they their um, their deal was they get to take you know Apple and Google would take most of the profit, and the and the uh, you know the car makers would be. It's sort of like the way that Amazon treats publishers, you know, t- taking the first thirty percent off the mm-hmm. off the top, and, and so everybody said no. That's what has forced Google and Apple into making that decision of making their own cars. So I don't, I don't see that, that, that VW and Apple team up to make a car or market a car, but, but, but they're, they're effectively teaming up, all of them going into the market at the same time. And one, you know, one might see in, in, in terms of fast charging, there does need to be standardization. You can't go down the road, and there are 10 different kinds of chargers. You know, right. there, so there needs to be one kind, and they fit all cars. And uh, Desi Doyen, our producer, has a, has a question here for you. Well, that's one of the questions that I've had, which is when you have a requirement for standardization um, across a battery network in the U.S. Or, or in Asia or in Europe or whatever, uh, that that would take time. And obviously, we've been very slow to move toward this technology. So that's I'm just curious, what do you see as the points of resistance here in the U.S., first of all, for widespread adoption of electric cars. Obviously, this is going to take a couple of years. So how do you see this unfolding? Well, the American resistance to electric cars are their price, their, their um, distance, they don't go far enough, and they, uh, 
they aren't cool enough. You know, we've got one one car maker that's making an an appealing car, and um, and they they um, uh, they uh, they don't charge fast enough. And so, uh, if I didn't already mention that, and and so they need to fix all these things, and and they are um, the that last part, the charging fast enough, um, and then standardization. All of the car makers, it's sort of the same thing uh, when the internal combustion engine, you know, gasoline cars, when they were first coming out. Um, you know, getting all of the car makers, getting all light bulb makers, all battery makers, you know, through, through time, um, agreeing to a standardized size, that, you know, everyone thinks that they're right. And so the, all of this in the end will, will wash out. They, they will agree, but they're not, they're not there yet. And, 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 and incidentally, when I say that the car needs to go far en- enough, what is the distance? No one knows what is the real distance at which the average person will will lose their range anxiety. Is uh-huh. it is it two hundred miles? Is it three hundred miles? What what do you think, Brad? Well, uh, well you know, I uh, look at my we you know we live out here in Los Angeles. We drive across the desert, and I can I can look at my uh, car and I can see that well you know what if I have a full tank of gas I can go three hundred miles, and but. It's not the range, it's the idea that I know there will be a gas station anywhere. If I can get to a town, there will be a gas station. That's different when it comes to electric cars. I have to have that, A, that confidence that I'll be able to recharge it, but also, um, you know, the idea of having to, uh, even if there is a place to charge it, to then have to sit there and wait for a half an hour or an hour instead of being able to simply swipe out a battery, swap out a battery, that to me uh, is going to make a difference when I know I can pull into a quote unquote a gas station, but a charging station, and say, "Okay, fill it up. Give me a, a give me a fresh battery." That's going to make the difference more of a difference for me than how far I can go. But it, this isn't about me, uh, Steve Levine. I want to ask you. I've got just a minute or two left here, and I want to ask you. Uh, about your book, about the powerhouse, uh, which, as you say, uh, focuses on uh, battery technology and the connection between the transformation of energy and shifts in geopolitical power. Uh, how is battery technology related to the shift in uh, in geopolitical power? I'll bite. What does that mean exactly? Well, the so the the thinking is is that this is going to be a very large industry, the electric car industry. And the batteries that go mm-hmm. inside them uh, are going to be as large as Apple and Exxon and uh, Toyota, uh, were, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars per per year, starting in the 2020s, mid 2020s, toward the end of the 2020s, and then many decades after that. And mm-hmm. the the countries in which the, those car makers and those battery makers are located, these are large enough. These are economy makers or drive a whole mm. ecosystem of different kinds of companies and so with wealth comes power and this is why uh, major industrial countries around the world the US China Japan South Korea Germany th- that you've got industrial companies and v- venture capitalists and uh, and startups and public policy all getting behind 
the creation of electric car industries and battery companies. So that so that's the geopolitical uh, side. And 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 that book, the powerhouse. What I do there is all of these ideas that we that 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 we've germinated in the, in this conversation and this geopolitics. That's the backdrop, and the foreground is I'm sitting in one lab with six battery scientists for two years as they attempt to make the big breakthrough in batteries, mm-hmm. create a super battery that 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 creates this new age. And uh, it's it's uh, I, I think I saw you I was on Stephen Colbert or on a Daily Show talking about that uh, story. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating story, uh, Steve Levine. And on that point, well, two, two before I let you go here. Um, one, as much as uh, the invention of this uh, this electric car that changes the world will also change the power structure of the nation in which it is created and built, uh, it also kind of ends up uh, cutting the knees out from uh, from beneath the oil-producing nations uh, whose economy relies only on oil. Does it not? These countries that have great power now because of oil suddenly lose all of that, and we're talking about within, what, the next uh, really five or ten years, correct? Starting in five years and then and 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 then going forward from there, it's really the same phenomenon that we've watched unfold over the last year with a plunge of oil prices. That is all the result of the uh, the addition of four million barrels a day of shale oil on to the market. pulled uh, pulled the rug out from under OPEC, mm-hmm. Russia, and 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 so on. This the the, the advent of this. Electric age removes millions would would remove millions of barrels a day of oil demand from the market. Exactly the same impact on the same players. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. So you have um, if you have the same two factors acting at the same time, the the shale oil and electric cars. You you would get this magnified impact and. Incidentally, I'm not sure we're going to be happy, entirely happy with the result because we will gain a lot more geopolitical power and wealth. But the in, the instability that we're already watching in the Middle East mm. will be much worse. Mm. Yeah, it will because now you won't even have uh, these these countries that have money. Uh, they will uh, lose their economic base, and uh, you know it, it was uh, droughts and so forth in in the Middle East that led to the instability in places like Syria. People looking for jobs, moving from the uh, farms into the cities, and things could potentially get even worse. Um, Chris Mooney in the Washington Post uh, reports on a on a new study, Steve Levine, that uh, says that the low price of natural gas is thwarting the adoption of advanced battery technology. And that echoes what many had predicted, that Obama's promotion of natural gas and fracking and so forth as a near-term bridge fuel to get us from coal to renewables actually may have suppressed the growth of energy storage tech right at the time that we need it most. Uh, Before I let you go, uh, your thoughts on that, and will we get over this hump and to this inevitable electric age? I don't go along with that with that argument. I've that that low oil prices, low low Mm -hmm. gasoline prices um, hurt 
electric cars, they, they, they are on two different tracks. Where car companies are going is producing in in the next five years is producing cars that um, that cost the same and look the same as um, well I should say cost the same as e- equivalent gasoline driven cars so that when you go into a showroom you'll you'll be more or less agnostic are you buying a gasoline driven car or are you buying an electric car and you start looking at them according to your own taste um, style are they cool do they have the technology I want and 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 so on so that that's uh, that's separate from what the oil price is you won't care what the oil price is hmm. gotcha Steve Levine, uh, Washington correspondent for Quartz. Check out his work at QZ.com and check out his book, The Powerhouse, Inside the Invention of a Battery to Save the World. Steve, really great talking to you on all of these issues. Hope to do it more again in the future, my friend. Me too. Thanks, Brad. You bet. The headline for Steve's article is Volkswagen's best shot at a comeback now has the automaker Right where Elon Musk wants it, that's over at QZ.com. Desi had uh, recommended his uh, him, Steve Levine as a Twitter follow. I do, too. You can follow him at Steve Levine on Twitter. And uh, check out his books at SteveLevineBooks.com. We're going to take a quick break and uh, back to the uh, this House speakership battle that's going on. Yes, back to stupid. Stay with us. This is the Bradcast. I'm Brad. We'll be back in a minute. rocking this week welcome back to the bradcast brad friedman from bradblog.com here with you okay uh this is actually this is happening john boehner is gone he will be he's not officially leaving until i think uh, uh the end of the month but he is he's he's announced he's he's leaving he will be replaced as speaker and that replacement will essentially take place this week, October 8th on Thursday. The Republicans are now set to nominate their new Speaker of the House. They're going to finally vote on it with the full House by the end of the month, but right now is when they make their choice. And uh, the odds-on favorite has been uh, Kevin McCarthy. He's the majority, the Republican majority leader uh, from California, actually, out here. Uh, And uh, generally, uh, but not always, uh, the majority leader will ascend to uh, the position of speaker in in cases like this. Although Kevin McCarthy really blew himself up last week when he cited the so-called Select Committee on Benghazi, uh, the eighth such uh, committee to investigate the non-scandal that is Benghazi. Of course, all of the others have cleared uh, Obama and then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton of any nefarious wrongdoing, but they needed they needed to look further with this select committee. And McCarthy then went on to cite that committee as being successful because it succeeded in hurting Hillary Clinton's presidential poll rating. So 
Oh, man. And and that was, by the way, thanks to a similarly phony scandal concerning her email server that came out of this whole thing. Anyway, that's right. Uh, four uh, dead American bodies, uh, they are using uh, from Benghazi uh, as, to make political hay to attack Hillary Clinton. And Kevin McCarthy actually said it out loud on Fox News. And, of course, all the other Republicans are furious at him for having done that. You, we know it's true. You're just not supposed to say it out loud. So Kevin McCarthy uh, could uh, be in trouble uh, in his bid for the speakership. And uh, I would hate to see that because, frankly, Kevin McCarthy makes George W. Bush look really, really smart. Here is just a couple of uh, points from a recent speech. He went out to show that he's he's not dumb. He's not stupid. Uh, he knows things about uh, foreign policy and such like. Here's a little bit about uh, here's a little bit of what he had to say in his prepared speech uh, just just last week. It defies belief that the president would allow the ban on Iranian oil exports to be lifted and also stand by a Russia blackmails an entire continent all the while keeping the place of the ban on America. Do you have any idea what that actually means? It defies belief that the president would allow the ban on Iranian exports to be lifted and also stand by a Russian blackmails an entire continent, all the while keeping the place of the ban on America. One of my favorite bands, by the way. It the is band a great on band. America. Yeah, uh, he, he did this throughout the entire speech. Here's just a, another example or two. And those who return home are being disrespected by the VA. They can't keep the simple promise to all of our heroes to the need when they need it most. To all of our heroes to the need when they need it most. We must engage this war of radical Islam if our life depended on it, because it does. <laughs> if our life depend. Wait, what? Because it does. Uh. Anyway, uh, this knucklehead is going to be the speaker of the House, unless something changes uh, in the next, uh, oh, I don't know, day or two before the Republicans make their nomination. I can't believe they're going to make him speaker. In the meantime, Jason Chaffetz, he is furious about uh, Kevin McCarthy having, uh, having, you know, admitted what's really going on with the Benghazi thing. So he's now throwing his hat in the ring. He's from Utah. Uh, he has now ed, uh, said out loud that he has uh, no interest in just simply raising the debt ceiling without changing the trajectory of spending. In other words, he is happy to shut down the government. This is what we are heading towards this December if Jason Chaffetz, Chaffetz becomes the Speaker of the House. I don't think Kevin McCarthy will do much better. Uh, as far as keeping the government open and paying the bills, he doesn't care. Jason Chaffetz says he doesn't care if it hurts our debt limit. Uh, I'm sorry, our, um, our, our debt, debt rating, rating our, yeah. our rating uh, as it, it fell last time, our credit rating, as it were. Uh, it fell last time they uh, shut down the government. Two, was it two years ago, I guess? Last time they had one of these silly standoffs. Well, they're preparing one again for this year. So that is coming. But if you wonder... Uh, what his colleagues think of Jason Chaffetz, who is challenging Kevin McCarthy, uh, look to John Huntsman, who knows him as well as anybody, former governor of, uh, of Utah, former presidential candidate back in 2012, uh, Governor Huntsman. Uh, he tweeted on Monday once uh, Chaffetz announced that he was going to challenge McCarthy. Huntsman said, McCarthy just got Chaffetzed. 
He said something I know a little something about. He adds, hashtag self-promoter, hashtag power hungry. Indeed, John Huntsman does know about Jason Chaffetz. Chaffetz was his campaign manager for Huntsman's 2004 gubernatorial campaign, and then as the governor's chief of staff, Wait, he served. so chief of staff, former campaign manager, he calls Chaffetz power hungry? Right. Wow. Power hungry and a self-promoter. That's cold. Uh, well, yeah, well, apparently what happened was back in 2011, Chase Chaffetz endorsed Romney over Huntsman well, that'll do in it. the Republican presidential primary. Uh, so that's some of the uh, the battle in the week ahead. We haven't even talked about that. Uh, it's it's so amazing that this is going on and, and the effect it's going to have. Uh, just incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know we're running late. All right. Uh, getting out one more point since I had uh, promised this. Uh, what uh, Josh Marshall over at Talking Points Memo described as the death rattle of the Jeb Bush campaign. And what is that death rattle? Well, according to the New York Times, Campaign advisors in South Carolina have asked for George W. Bush to visit South Carolina in a more public capacity to uh, help promote Jeb Bush's campaign. The former president has only appeared at uh, private fundraisers so far. The campaign must decide whether the boost from George W. Bush's popularity in the state. George W. Bush is popular in South Carolina? Really? Whether uh, that would be uh, his uh, popularity would be worth risking painting Jeb Bush as a legacy and opening up to uh, more attacks from Democrats. Uh, I can't believe that George W. Bush is seen as an asset anywhere. But I guess when you're desperate, I guess when you're plummeting in the polls as Jeb Bush is, uh, you'll try anything. Indeed, uh, perhaps the death rattle for Jeb Bush's campaign unbelievable year in politics and it just gets more unbelievable as we go we will follow it as best as we can and as much as we can stomach my thanks to my producer desi doyan to our booking goddess cynthia Cohn, to my guest today steve levine remember to check out his work at stevelevinebooks.com we'll be back with you same brad time same brad channel tomorrow until then drop me email i am bradcast at bradblog.com and you can also follow me on the Twitters and the Facebooks at the Brad Blog. I'm out of here. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Hey,